0: You're listening to Staying in the Game, a Plum Dragon Herbs podcast where we have conversations about mindset and techniques for staying at the top of your game. I'm your host, Janelle Leatherwood. Today we've got a great show with Eli Knight, who's a second-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu and whose technique videos have become wildly popular on YouTube. We'll be talking about a lot of important topics in our show today, including how martial arts can have an amazing effect on our mental health. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right in. Thanks so much for coming on our show today, Eli. We're really happy to have you here with us. And if you could just kind of give people a little um, bit about your background, I think that would be helpful.
1: Um, oh So I'm Eli Knight, and uh, I do primarily jujitsu. jitsu uh, I teach and train martial arts, um, and I have for most of my life, uh, mm-hmm. going on about 25 years or so now that I've been uh, training, and I started with um, more uh, let's see, it started from everything from Taekwondo to, um, Japanese style Jiu Jitsu to Filipino martial arts, Muay Thai, uh, Tai Chi for a period of time. Um, I've done a lot of things, uh, Indonesian Silat, but the thing that's really resonated with me more than anything and speaks to me more than anything is, is Jiu Jitsu, uh, particularly from, uh, the Japanese via Brazil, uh, paradigm. And, uh, so now, um, I, Teach at my home base academy of uh, Three Rivers Martial Arts in Kentucky, and uh, also do a lot of traveling to go do seminars and uh, different kind of training events and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's basically my my background as far as um, anybody really cares about me, you know. So yeah. um, and I, I do a lot of uh, online stuff. Uh, I have a, a YouTube channel that that is where I get the most exposure probably from people. Um, mm-hmm. And then from social media things, I, I try to put a lot of like a online training and um, I uh, teach, I put a lot of my classes that I teach up on like Patreon and things like that. So uh, that's, that's basically it for me.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's so exciting how you've been able to grow your YouTube following um, so rapidly. What are you one, at now? One hundred fifty thousand or more? I think one f-
1: four, almost one hundred forty, yeah. almost one hundred forty thousand. I think so. It's uh, yeah. yeah. I've I've been very fortunate and, and extremely grateful for um, the the growth that it's it's happening. It's it, it was funny because I've had that I've had this YouTube channel since um, YouTube was basically a thing, and uh, so it, it's it technically speaking, I've had it a long time, but the growth mm-hmm. only happened in the past probably two to two and a half years, um, is whenever the channel really started to take off because about two to two and a half years, it was sitting around with five or 6,000 subscribers. And then, Mm -hmm. um, now to be 140,000, it's, you know, it's just, it it was kind of startling to me, but I'm, like I said, I'm very grateful. I'm trying to keep doing, you know, the best that I can at it. Uh, I decided, um, a long time ago that I, I never wanted to really leave my home base academy. I don't own the academy and uh people always ask me and have always asked me, do you, you know have any desire to like go start your own school, your own kind of brick and mortar facility?" And my answer has usually been no like I had to, I don't I don't really want to um, move away to start one and I don't mm-hmm. want to compete with uh, the academy that I teach out of where I'm a, the senior supervising instructor. So mm-hmm. um, I figured you know you, you kind of, uh, if I'm going to grow where I'm planted, then I'm going to have to figure out kind of creative ways to do it. And so that's why I've I've tried to branch out and go travel more and to do more online like that.
0: Yeah. And it must be really gratifying that you can reach people in all places of the world who maybe don't have access to a jujitsu yeah. gym. And mm-hmm.
1: it's, it does, it blows me away. I get messages Uh, every day from people uh, all over the world and and it's it's one it's one of those beautiful things about um social media when when it functions the way it's supposed to is that you know when people see a video that i put up and they send me a message to tell me they appreciate it and that they learned from it and that and that they watch my videos to train along with because they don't have access otherwise so um whenever I, i get messages like that from like india or from africa or from um, Switzerland, you know, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's really a gratifying thing to in that regard. And so it's, uh, it, it makes me feel very um, careful and, and that I need to be very responsible with what I put out and the message that I, I portray to people and, and that I don't, you know, mislead anyone. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, what a great thing to be out there in the day of, you know, harmful social media effects and different things like that to have a great reason to get online and probably uh, be a good influence to youth as well as adults and families. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I try to try to be as positive as possible with it and try to be as um, uh, responsible as well because like there's, there's a lot of garbage (laughs) and there's, there's a lot of um, misleading information. There's a lot of dangerous things that people put online without um, e- any kind of, um, thought of the repercussions that it's going to have to, to the people that are seeing that kind of information that don't know any better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I try to, I try to frame things the right way and try to, um, you know, be as, as, uh, as careful as I can with the information that I present to people, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Now tell me, how did you start into martial arts? Did you get into it at a young age and what was the reason?
1: Um, I mean, like like most kids, uh, I was always fascinated with it, you know, growing up and, uh, you know, I was born in the, the mid-70s, but so, like, my childhood was the 80s and, and up through the 90s and, you know, being fascinated with martial arts movies, of course, anything from Kung Fu Theater up through, like, you know, Van Damme and Steven Seagal movies and just, you know, all of it was just, was uh, was interesting, like it is to most people. I never really did martial arts as a kid I I took some karate classes um, for a short period of time we didn't really have uh, a lot of access to a lot of different martial arts in the area that I lived Um, so I started with taekwondo which was about the only thing available uh, to my knowledge Um, I continued with taekwondo for almost two years Um, in that time during the later part of it I transitioned to I I met uh, a teacher that uh, I actually um, currently still work alongside him now uh, and um his name is jason hawkins and he he was doing what i wanted to be doing that i didn't even know and he was he was mm-hmm. cross training all kinds of different things um from that man i learned uh so much and we you know uh, going from being his student to to more of a peer role um i still consider him my teacher in a lot of ways to this very day but he um uh, he he taught me a whole lot, and he really opened my mind, um, and and really expanded my perspective on martial arts. And so I, I I'm always want to like make sure that I always mention to everybody how grateful I am for him. And uh, I literally he's he's about uh, fifty feet away from me right now, like teaching a lesson. So um, I've been I've been very fortunate to maintain that relationship and and work alongside him over the years um but you know with him I started training in jiu-jitsu but it was uh, a little more like a traditional style of jiu-jitsu it was before this is, um actually before the UFC came out and Gracie jiu-jitsu became a very popular thing and um, once it did we started to study um, Gracie jiu-jitsu under Hoist Gracie and uh, we would go wherever we could to train with him um, while still staying residents of Kentucky. And so, um, you know, we would go see him at seminars, we'd go to camps, we would travel to see him and train with him. Um, then we would come back and we would train the information, um, amongst ourselves. And we did this for years and eventually became a, um, a training affiliate under him. And we're we still maintain the relationship as a hoist racing network to this day. Um, so all of my, my rank has come directly from hoist. voice, um, in the meantime, I was, and with Jason. I was still, like I mentioned, other martial arts that we were training. And as far as like Filipino martial arts, uh, Jason is big into um, traditional Chinese martial arts as well. As far as uh, Wing Chun, he's a uh, instructor under Dan Masanto with G um, uh, Kundo and Filipino martial arts. Um, so I've. I've always got a constant resource to that, even though I don't train that as regularly as, as uh, uh, not regularly enough to say that I train in those things to this day. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do have a kind of constant resource of that. So it's, it's been really helpful. So I, um, I try not to, I've never been one for, for being, I appreciate the traditionalism of, of traditional martial arts. And um, I, I really have a deep like appreciation for, for all things, martial arts but I've always been kind of opposed to being too um, stuck in the, the tradition, as to not branch out to other things and, and to see how um, exploring other avenues and other other styles and systems can enhance your practice. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of cross platform application across different martial arts, and whenever you see that, uh, to to me that points out validation more than it points out any kind of conflict. If I see something that pops up in an Indonesian style, you know, versus a Chinese style versus a Japanese style, uh, I don't immediately look for, well, who did this first and who does it best. It's, to me, validation of, um, you know, it's it's validation of that that is a, a practical thing, that's a necessary thing, that's an important thing. So uh, that. like I said, I I think that that has really helped to color the approach that I take to to teaching to this day, too. I want to help get the best information to people for what their needs and their purposes are.
0: Yeah. I wanted to talk a minute about something that is near and dear to my heart as well, but just how um, martial arts can have an impact on our mental health. And, um, you know, my own brother actually uh, committed suicide several years Mm -hmm. ago. And it's something that, yeah, thank you. It's something that, you know, is still um, a battle for very or for many close members of my own family. So I don't know. um, I know Eli. um, I'm sorry. I I know that J.D. um, was talking about last week in our interview how he had been involved with some um, organizations to try and bring awareness to that him as a veteran and stuff. I don't know if you've been involved with that, um, as well, but also, um, I thought you might be able to speak a little bit to your youth and what some of the struggles were like for you and how martial arts has helped you.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, um, I've, I've been doing this long enough and worked with enough people, um, as a, a student capacity and as a, as training peer capacity to really see a lot of benefits that, um, every, that, that on so many different levels of mental health um emotional health emotional well-being that that are pervasive in martial arts study and practice um speaking particularly for myself from the the jiu-jitsu side of things i think that any physical practice um can have um uh, when, when tempered the right way, can have a very um, significant impact on people's emotional health and well-being and their mental health and well-being. I think that the the mind body connection is, a, is an extremely important thing that is often uh, overlooked, um, in especially in, in traditional med and er, in, in, uh, uh, modern medicine. I think that um, you know if you go into uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, if you go into uh, you know to see a psychiatrist or psychologist. Um, I I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think a lot of times they want to throw medicine at things um, a little too quickly. I think that, um, you know, without you're treating things from the back end a lot of the time, Uh, you know, you're you're rather than preventative things, things like like health and exercise, watching your diet, watching your nutrition, watching your physical practice. um, Those things can be a lot more beneficial. So. Uh, from a personal perspective, I know that that's that was the main thing that really that the whole reason I got into martial arts. When I did, like I said, I was always fascinated with it, but I didn't have a, a real desire. Um, I was kind of uh, dragged to my first few classes, honestly, and and then I I got immersed into it. But um, what it really happened um, to get me involved in the first place was <coughs> excuse me is um, my sister. Whenever I was around thirteen years old, fourteen years old my sister died in a car wreck and that had a very traumatic effect on me because she she was very, we were very close. Like uh, I was closer to her than anyone else in the world. And so, um, when that happened, I was, you know, sitting to really, um, beyond, you know, it was, it was obviously a depression. It was like an existential kind of depression. I didn't know uh, what to do or what to make of anything. And so, um, when, You know, I had a couple of friends that that kind of took me into this their martial arts uh, class whenever I was able to function at all. And that gave me kind of an outlet. You know, it gave me something kind of physical to do. I wasn't terribly physical aside from like skateboarding at the time. And, um, you know, that that helped me in in a lot of ways. Um, Then especially whenever I met uh, Jason Hawkins and I started training into the the other arts, you know, it got very – You can get into almost kind of a meditative practice with it you know it's like a physical moving meditation um because my my head was in no condition to to sit and try to meditate or try to reflect on anything i i wanted something to quiet down the voices you know in in my head i wanted something to to calm me and to still me uh but that that wasn't going to come from being calm and still for me it was going to come from being active from getting out moving um Mm -hmm. Jiu Jitsu, yeah. especially like I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, it, it seems kind of counterintuitive that this like aggressive sport can actually do that, but it, it actually does make you feel more calm and mm-hmm. um, have a better mindset about things. Maybe it's getting that aggression out in a more disciplined way or getting, you know, re- well, I've had to think about
1: energy, yeah, I've had to think about that a lot too. Um particularly with 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 combative arts, you know with with uh, combat sports and combat arts, what it is is that um, you you have to be in the moment. I think that one of the most like uh, healthy things you can do for yourself psychologically or mentally or emotionally is to be present in the moment, um not not with your head somewhere in the clouds or thinking too much about the mistake that you made or the worry about what you're gonna have to deal with later. it's It's about the immediacy of the moment. And for me, I haven't seen anything as good um, for doing that as, as combat sports and combat arts. So with, with the practice of Jitsu, I, I tell people, you know, you, you suffer your karma immediately. You know, you, yeah. you deal with, with that, that thing in the moment because you, you can't let your head be somewhere other than this person who's on top of you trying to choke you. You know, if you yeah. do, you're going to suffer for that immediately. So, so that really draws you um, away from any of those outside kind of, kind of, uh, noises and distractions and worries and concerns and really puts you present. And there's such a healing aspect of that, 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 that practice has to offer that you can't really find through other means. You know, you yeah. can, you can, um, you can find it deceptively, you know, you can, you can, uh, you can drug yourself, you know I mean? Because that's what drugs do a lot of times is it, 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 it numbs, you know, it's a, it has like a, um, an anesthetic property, but all that's doing is really just masking the pain. It's masking the, the discomfort. It's masking the distress that you're feeling, and it's it compresses it. So when it does resurface, it's almost going to be worse, you know. So um or it is going to be worse. So dealing with things in a, in a positive, um, healthful uh, way like that is is very important. So for me, I mentioned about my sister. That was that was one of the most difficult things that I had to deal with in my life. The other aspect of it too um, as far as like just trauma that I, that it's helped me deal with is that, um, uh, growing up, I, I, for, for a number of years, I saw my mother in an abusive relationship and that was a really hard thing for me to, to practice because, um, you know, I had this kind of identity crisis, you know, I was a kid, but I was uh, a, a boy, I was male. I'm supposed to be strong. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, I'm supposed to have some kind of sense of power or strength about me. And so to, to be put in, in kind of one of the most helpless situations that I can imagine as far as, um, you know, I think, I think it's tantamount to being abused yourself is watching yeah. the person who, who is your number one caretaker being abused and being hurt mm-hmm. and feeling helpless to do anything about that. Because it's like, here's this person who's taking care of me all my life. And if she, you know, I, how do I take care of her whenever, you know, she's in this helpless situation? And so that was a difficult thing for me, um, to, to process. And I'm sure that that's had lasting repercussions over, over the years, over my entire life. So, um, but again, that, that's been, um, another thing too, that the sense of empowerment that's come with training at martial arts has, has given me that back. It's given me some kind of identity of like, you know, I, I know how to, Uh, protect myself now i know how to protect uh my loved ones now you know and um so that was that was one of the most beneficial things as well along with that um as far as people who have suffered trauma who suffer from depression who suffer from um to a degree mental illness um that which is an umbrella term that can carry a lot of different like Mm -hmm. implications to it so that's that's a, a difficult thing to just kind of blanket statement it but i think that there are benefits um, to training in, in martial arts and training combat arts and combat sports um, yeah. that that can really help. I've seen it help people with um, autism and Asperger's as well. You know it's it's a little bit of a tangential concept, but um, it is something that's really interesting that I've worked with several people, uh, kids and adults that that have uh, autism and Asperger's. And a lot of times, that's a very sensory thing. It's, there's a there's a sensory and tactile component to that that's very difficult for them to function um, in in quote unquote a normal capacity um, mm-hmm. as far as other people do. So the tactile nature of of what we do as jujitsu is is very um, it's it, it has a lot of healthful properties to that. Um, so for somebody who's very touch sensitive or touch phobic, um, it it can be a very Like a a very moderate thing to to introduce them to that and kind of help them get over a lot of those sensitivities. Um, With people who are very weak, people that are very frail, people that are very um, just everything hurts them and they're they're very soft Mm -hmm. people. It has kind of a kneading process, like a K N E A D, like kneading process. Mm -hmm. I feel like because you if you're going to toughen someone up, um, you. There, there has to be some harshness introduced to the environment um, too much is going to break that person um, physically or psychologically you know it's you, you can't introduce something in too traumatic of a situation that's gonna that's gonna damage the person but our bodies physically grow because of difficulty because of the strain that we put on them when it's when it's introduced in the right capacity it's a difference between if I lift weights I could lift weights in a way that can make my muscles and and mm-hmm. skeleton and, and and tendons and everything stronger um, mm-hmm. I could also do it irresponsibly and damage my body you know so mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of along those same lines so it's it's kind of part and parcel that the training needs to be regimented, it needs to be followed closely, and you need to work with an, a qualified instructor to really help guide you through that. Can that can really understand your needs, and and they can really um, introduce things to you that you need to have happen. But there, there also has to be other components too. You know, it's it's not it's not a complete uh, panacea that's going to like cure all your aches and pains and woes. And you know, so right. you, you have to you have to supplement that with with other aspects of your life that are that are conducive to your training. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, and we're not saying, you know, that not to get professional help or not to take medication Mm. if that's needed. No, absolutely
1: not. Yeah, for sure. But it's,
0: it definitely is interesting and studies have shown that it can help and it can actually help reduce the symptoms of anxiety and depression. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could be, it's probably a combination of things, but you take, for example, just with any exercise, you know, the endorphins that are released, um, Mm. Or doing that heavy cardio, which can get rid of, um, you know, high levels of cortisol and stress and stuff in the body, and so there's that. But then there's, and I'm not sure um, how much do you think, um, like the breathing and med- meditation component of it, um, you know, affects your health as well, your mental health. But I'm sure. Absolutely, it does a lot.
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think so for sure. I think that um, it's it's. Uh, it's such an easy to overlook aspect of, of it all. I mean, but you know, breath is literally life (laughs) and then, and you, Mm -hmm. um, you can, you can have, um, if, if you never focus on that, you're, you're, you're really, it's, it's like running a vehicle with just like the worst quality fuel that you can put in it. I mean, so if you don't, if you don't pay attention to how, the systems of the body work and one of the most important being the respiratory system. I mean, then they're all interrelated. So obviously it's, it's, it's an important component. So breath work, I think focused on, on, um, just individually aside from things is a, is a really important study. It's a really important practice. Um, when you, when you see, um, the, the benefits of it, everything from, from healing benefits from, from like you were talking about, like, um, as far as how, how the brain releases different hormones and chemicals and, and, and also, you know, suppresses different chemicals Mm -hmm. in, in, your body. And a lot of that is just related simply to, to the, the, the breath work and the intention placed on, on that. So it's, I think it's crucial, um, to pay attention to that uh, during physical practice and also during still practice, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's It's funny they uh, a friend of mine was telling me the other day, he was he was he's been reading some things on breath work. and and he was mentioning that. He was like, you know, if you if you've ever like read something or really been focused on something, you know, like you' you're just reading a book, sitting still reading a book. And then, like you're so focused on it that when you finish the passage that you're reading, you' that you take a breath almost as as if you were physically exerting yourself in that moment. And that alone tells you, that you know what's happening inside you as far as the 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 mind body kind of Mm -hmm. connection like that you know so that's it is interesting that you bring that up
0: yeah and you mentioned like asperger's i've read also read that it can help with you know adhd or just Mm. focus problems in general because like you alluded to earlier if you're not entirely focused you're gonna you know you're gonna get your butt kicked yeah absolutely so So you have to stay focused, and that for sure would carry over into other areas of life as well. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it teaches you what focus is. I think that mm-hmm. um, you know we. I think that it's it's a, um, a very misleading thing sometimes. Whenever people think focus, if I tell somebody to focus, then whatever I tell them to focus on, they're going to look at it harder. They're going to try to like mm-hmm. still their body and point their body in that direction. That's not necessarily. Um, you know that that's, that's just scratching the surface of what what it means to be focused. Focused is is not pulled in a whole bunch of different directions, and a lot of times that's what happens with ADD and ADHD is that all the stimuli all around us. It's there's the filter is is um, it works differently. It's not damaged or broken. It just works differently, and so um, I've seen that with with the physical component to be a very helpful thing to really kind of channel, it, it, it helps to, it helps to put that filter in a more functional working order, you know, so Mm -hmm. that you can focus on the things you need to focus on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen that be very beneficial to people. Um, you know, a a lot lot of times people come in with, with their kids, especially, you know, but I've worked with adults Mm -hmm. too, dealing with ADD, ADHD. Um, I think that, um, I don't think it's speaking out of turn to say it's uh, overdiagnosed these days, you know, yeah. uh, when, when somebody comes in with a five-year-old and says, you know, oh, he's got ADD and ADHD and a hyperactive disorder and all I'm like, he's five. Yeah. He's a normal five-year-old. He's going to have a lot of energy. He's going to be distracted by all this stuff going on, you know, and um, not to say that there's not like legitimate medical conditions of that. Mm-hmm. And and in some cases they they can't benefit from um, medication and, and mm-hmm. everything else. But, you know, let's look from the holistic side first, you know, let's see what we can do naturally because it is, things are, things are overdiagnosed because people need labels. I need to know what's wrong with me. I need to know what, what is this thing that's wrong with me? Okay. I can put a label on it and I can wear that like a name tag so I can tell people about it. Now I have a new identity, you know, now I have this new feature of myself. And it's just and I'm not I'm not trying to be cruel or harsh when I'm saying Mm -hmm. that, but I I think that that is a a condition of modern society. That's what millennials get condemned with now, you know, whenever people are like, oh, these damn millennials, you know, and this, Mm -hmm. what they're talking about, I think, a lot of the time is um, is that that aspect of, you know, I need to have these identifying features and then make people to pay attention to me. I need people to, um, sympathize with me. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just a form of searching for an empathetic connection, you know, I yeah. think for a lot of people, but it's mm-hmm. going a weird way about it.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> Another thing that I thought was really interesting is just kind of like the introspection that happens with martial arts, because if you're not always taking a look at you know, ways that you need to improve or, um, if you're doing something wrong over and over again, you're going to pay for that in a very painful way. And so it's like that humility, you know, that you have to have in martial arts, um, would carry over to all aspects of life as well.
1: Yeah, it it definitely should when it works right. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, when, um, it's, it's it's kind of cliche to say you know leave your ego at the door you know I say okay. um it, you know you don't don't come in and train with an ego and I, people are misusing the intention behind that a lot of the time uh, everybody has an ego um everybody is self-centered uh, we have to be it's 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 a normal thing it's it's a functional thing from like a um you know, just from a, a survival standpoint, we have to yeah. be egotistical to a, to a degree, you know, we have to, but it's, it's understanding the nature of it. <clears throat> I think what people, I think what the intention behind that statement or those kind of statements actually is, is that if you get too wrapped up in, um, you know, I have to be the best at this. I have to do this. I have to perform to this level. I have to compare myself to other people and I have to be better than they are. Then, um, you learn really quickly that that's going to be a very painful existence you know and and um martial arts kind of brings that to the surface you know because you you can be a competitor and you can be competitive but there's always someone better uh, you mm-hmm. you know i'm a i'm a second degree black belt and i'm fully aware that there are purple and brown belts out there who can who can tap me out on the mat you know and mm-hmm. um if i let that keep me up at night then i'm gonna have a lot of sleepless nights you know and mm-hmm. i think anybody being being honest with themselves um uh, will will be that. But it, it, it can also be a thing to, to realize that it's that that really drives home the concept of it's not about the goal. You know, it's you have to have goals along the way. But if it's like this final destination that you're trying to reach, you're never really going to reach it. But it's okay to still have that because it helps the trajectory of the journey that you're going to take. And I think that that can be a really beautiful thing and, and a very motivating thing. You know, so I think it's important for people to have that mm-hmm. aspect of their training. You
0: know, yeah, definitely, um, let's talk a minute about like how it helps with self esteem. Have you, as a coach, seen you know some transformations that have been in made an impact on you um, with either kids or youth that you've coached or even adults?
1: Oh for sure, for sure i I' uh it's it's great to see people who are very introverted come out of their shell um, because they now they have. A, uh, a a new form of expression they didn't know that existed before. Um, we we used to have we we've used over the years at different times we've used a um, kind of a motto for our place that uh, awaken your potential you know and I really liked that one a lot um, mm-hmm. not because it, it has a, a very positive sounding connotation to it mm-hmm. but um, it's not necessarily <laughs> it's it's it, it's revealing it's about a, a revelation process. You find out some things about yourself when you train martial arts, and they're not all good. Uh, a lot of them are, are very negative things. You, you learn, uh, oh, I didn't know that about myself, you know, whenever you're training. Um, and you learn a lot of things about uh, other people, you know. Some of the—it's um, it, really hard to be deceptive when you're doing that kind of training. When you're live rolling with somebody and you're live wrestling with somebody, you— you develop kind of, uh, an ability to, you're, you communicating. It's a nonverbal sense of communication. And you really start to learn a lot about that person through their movement, through their energy and how they're conducting themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how that applies to self-esteem, uh, you, you really find people who sometimes are loud and, and boisterous and, and, and robust, you know, about their, um, existence, you know, there a lot of times they're, they're masking something you know there's a lot of times there's there's it's a defense mechanism uh, the same way that the person who's very introverted and shy and, and, and seemingly scared of their own shadow is you know also they're putting up an armor around them and so i think martial arts really helps to um it, when you know functional practical martial arts study should um help to reveal that to that person now what they do with that information is kind of up to them at that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when the therapeutic aspect of martial arts can really kick in. Um, But again, the practice is it's, you have to have a very uh, careful and particular practice. If you don't, you can be very damaging about what you do with that practice. You know, if you want to beat something out of yourself that you don't like about yourself, then, you know, good luck. It's going to be like, yeah. you know, cutting off a limb, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you want to kind of, uh, exercise some demons, then that's, that's a different story. You know, I, I can, that can happen. I've seen that happen a lot and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Is
0: there any like story of somebody that stands out to you?
1: Yeah. Um, when, when that pops into mind, I could, uh, I'd probably come up with 50 of these, but like when that pops into my mind and probably because I was just discussing it recently was, um, I had a student that was, uh, not physical, not a physical guy. Um, he, uh, I don't know that he's ever done anything physical before he started training in, in so And this gave him like a, mm-hmm. a physical outlet and it was very good for him. Um, and he gained a lot of confidence through it. He felt pretty good about himself. He had been training, uh, maybe a couple of years, you know, and was, was feeling pretty good. And, um, you know, handling himself well on the mats whenever he was sparring and rolling. Um, he went off to university and they had like a jiu club there and he felt pretty good about himself. He was a blue belt at the time, which is your second belt, a couple of years of training. I think though, um, the mentality though, whenever he stepped in into that training environment was, Oh, well I'll, I'll have an easy time with these guys. Cause these guys are just some guys that randomly get together and train and try to figure stuff out. I have more of a, a formal setting, training, academic approach to this. And, you know, I'll go in there and kind of uh, be okay. And he went in and these guys were very athletic. Um, mm-hmm. And they, you know, they, they gave him a very hard time. Um, and he, so he came back a little crestfallen, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand, you know, these guys, they, you know, they, they haven't trained as long as I have. They, they haven't done this as long. They don't know as much as I do. Yeah. It's like, you, know, you can't discount nature. You can't discount size and strength and athleticism. Those things are all very important. And uh, my, my statement to him was, man, imagine how badly you would have done before jiu You know, before you trained, you would have had no chance. You know, at least you were able to kind of fight and defend yourself and, and deal with some of this energy. Even though they got the better of you, you know, they would have mauled you before. So it's relative. It's a, it's a relative thing. And Mm -hmm. it it kind of, um, I think that the healthy dose of realism is, is one of the biggest things that you can get from it. Not a feeling of superiority, not a feeling of, um, inferiority if you need to be knocked down a few notches, but it's that, that realistic, uh, thing that it offers you you like that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Who do you feel like has maybe had, the most influence on you in your life? I mean, I'm sure there's like a billion people you can name, but
1: yeah, what yeah. stands out well, to you? Uh, it, it, again, I mentioned Jason Hawkins before, you know, that, that mm-hmm. uh, he, and again, knowing him for so long and, and going through being a kid and, and kind of mentoring after him as a teacher and, you know, at times a father figure, at times a brother, you know, so, it and I think he's, he's a, he's a, absolutely brilliant in all of his studies. He, he's, he's extremely well-read, extremely well-versed in a lot of different areas, martial arts just being one of them. But, you know, I, I, you know, I mentored after him for, for so long, um, that I don't, I don't know how, what my identity would be separate from knowing him. So that to me shows that he is probably overwhelmingly my biggest influence. Uh, yeah, I could I can name a lot of different influences that I've had. Obviously, like Hoist Hoyce Gracie, obviously, because um, I would not be doing the kind of martial arts that I'm doing now to this day, and and mm-hmm. and with the perspective that I'm training. If it weren't for him and what his family has done, um, but yeah, that would, that would be that be the biggest one to me. Would be Jason Hawkins. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: what are some tips that you tell people, or like some mindset um, mm-hmm. mantras or different things that? are helpful to you and that you share with other people
1: um i think you know a lot of it depends on on what their goals are i think i think that's the first thing is you you really have to kind of know yourself you have to you have to develop a practice that's that's self-revealing and and you know to really formulate what you want to do people come in a lot of the time with reasons that they want to start training and um rarely is it the case that those reasons don't change after they begin training. you know mm-hmm. they may come in they want to fight they want to compete they want to just learn self defense they just want to develop a hobby, whatever the case is and I think that you know depending on what what their um perceived and actualized goals are well you know that'll be revealed later. but I think that learning that is important, and then working with um a competent uh, teacher, you know, not, not to be too fooled or, or duped into, um, someone who is just impressive, you know, just because someone is impressive in their abilities does not necessarily mean that they're going to be a good coach or teacher or, or someone for you to study under, you know, I, I've seen, um, world-class fighters and competitors and, and exemplary people in martial arts in different ways that, you know, they, they can't convey that information. You know, they can't. So, I mean, if you're studying something, you need to have someone good that's going to be able to teach you that. Uh, You know, people tell me people tell me that I'm a a good teacher. Sometimes they tell me I'm a good coach sometimes. Um, And I I believe that I I have some good elements to me that make me a good instructor. Um, But at the same time, you know, um, I you know, I'm not I'm not the, the greatest fighter or competitor in the world. You know, there's there's much better guys out there than I am that I can teach better than, so that's going to be more beneficial to the student. You know, uh, I would say find a good safe facility to train in. You know, to follow your practice. And if you don't have that, at least find good peers that have um, your best interest in mind whenever you're training with that person. You know, someone who is is going to be uh, you know conducive to your learning and to your development and your progress and your improvement. Um, in the most positive ways, you know, it's, it's not about, um, just learning something that's going to make you able to kick the average person's ass. It's, it's about Mm -hmm. learning, you know, how to conduct yourself better as a, as a person and making yourself uh, safer and healthier and happier ultimately. So,
0: yeah, that's that's awesome. What projects do you have coming up right now? Are you working on anything that you're especially passionate about?
1: Yeah, um I I just doing more of the same but um I've I've been doing a lot of seminars uh even more seminars lately and um so are that's These online that's,
0: seminars or are they uh,
1: in, no, person? in person? Yeah, I mm-hmm. just uh, last weekend I was in Alexandria, Virginia uh teaching a seminar out there. Um I actually did a podcast out there uh, with those guys uh, called the fight philosophy podcast. And, um, before that I was in, where was I, Florida before that I was in, um, Canada up there with JD and teaching a seminar at a a, a jujitsu school up there and then at a boxing club. And so I, it's, I really like to show people all the different facets of jujitsu. And, and like I, you know, I taught a couple of seminars recently at boxing gyms, and on clinch fighting and how, how jitsu can apply to that. And so it's, it's a little outside the box for people to think about, but it was an interesting topic. And it really, um, you know, I think that aside from them learning, I learned something every time that I go to teach somewhere. So that's, that's been interesting to me. I have a seminar coming up this weekend in, uh, Farmington, Missouri. And, um, uh, but the, as far as projects coming up, I'm, I'm still working with, uh, the Budo brothers and I'm hoping that, early next year we finalize a project that's been in the works for several months now um we did some filming up there and we're gonna do some filming here in kentucky where i am and i'm really excited about how that project is going to turn out because they do they do like really uh, amazing work they're they're mm-hmm. filming their editing is awesome and then they um you know uh, hopefully that's that's going to give a really good um a really good like way to, to convey the information as far as how they present it. Um, that'll be like a digital seminar they're going to release. And then cool. I filmed with um, BJJ Fanatics that puts out a lot of DVD instructionals, and I have an instructional set that, that was released with them a few months ago, and I'm actually headed up there in a few weeks to do another uh, maybe one or two other volumes to that. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm excited about those projects coming out uh, other than that, and just teaching my classes here, my private lessons, and um, doing my YouTube videos and my Patreon videos and, you know, things, just staying busy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds good. JD was telling me that he looked a little bit bald in the videos that you guys did, and he thinks you stole his <laughs> hair or something. <laughs> Do you have yeah, any I, I
1: didn't, I didn't, tips uh, for
0: keeping your hair? My, my husband's bald, too. <laughs> no, yeah,
1: I, I don't know, because, like, I... I uh, I've been very fortunate to 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 keep my my follicular structure intact in over the years, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, but my advice to, to JD was, man, just shave it already, dude. Just yeah. you know, don't 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 hang on past its prime, and just you know, just if it's uh, you know, it, it's i just been trying to get him to shave his head forever. I'm like, That's just bite nice. the bullet, man just do it you know Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would do I think so, you know.
0: that's what my husband did and he he did it early on in our marriage and I wasn't too happy about it then but I can see why he did it yeah <laughs> in fact for yeah. it was funny for Halloween his company dressed up and um, he had a costume but he didn't end up putting it on because this other guy shaved his head to look like my husband
1: oh no <laughs> so, that's hilarious
0: it was pretty funny yeah Anyways, cool. <laughs> well, any other? Um, do you do? You, are you like a real healthy guy with different health practices? Like, what would you eat on a typical day for breakfast, for example? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Yeah i I'm not gonna lie, say that I'm like super careful and, and, and healthy in my diet. Uh, mm-hmm. I try to eat clean. I mean that that's the biggest thing. I think um, my my dietary practices and and advice for people. I think that uh, people get too tied up in in fads i think a lot of the time yeah. with the dieting you know mm-hmm. um and and you know the fads are there for a reason I, I think that there are some you know there's a lot to learn from like nutrition and dietetics from a lot of the fads that resurface over the years um but i think that there's the personalized component of of nutrition and dietetics is the thing that's most overlooked people read about oh this diet is really good for this or this diet's really good for that It's like well oh, you know you, you can take the healthiest foods in the world and if your body doesn't like those foods you know it's yeah. like okay what's something i think avocado is probably one of the healthiest things you can put in your body mm-hmm. well not for someone who's allergic to avocado <laughs> you know yeah. so it's mm-hmm. you know you'll, you'll find people who uh, a vegan diet is the perfect thing for them you know but it's not perfect for everyone i i, I don't believe that i think that we have a long-standing um I mean, we've been on this planet for a while. Uh, we come from a lot of different geographical areas. We uh, come from a lot of different um, biological makeups as far as you know, our, our ancestors and everything. So learning about yourself, learning what, what gives you the most energy, what sustains the practice that you have in your life. If I were a triathlete, I would eat very differently. Uh, being a jiu-jitsu person i know that if um if i'm going to have a very physical day of training and teaching then there needs to be a certain amount of hours be- between when i eat and when i step on the mat to start because mm. i can't uh that that digestion process if i eat something that's too heavy for me to uh, that that takes a lot of energy for me to digest because digestion is one of the most energy draining things that we can potentially do throughout our entire day so if, if I put something that's that's going to be difficult for my body to take up a lot of energy for me to digest and cause me any kind of gastric distress or anything like that, it's going to really have an impact on every facet of me teaching or training of that day. And I'm not going to get the most out of it. My students aren't going to get the most out of it. So I try um, some some weird things, I guess, that I do personally that have worked for me is I don't eat much um, early in the day. Um, if I do eat, I, don't, I usually don't eat... Um, cooked foods very much during the early part of the day, or hot, or hot things. Um, it, it, this changes depending on the time of the year. I eat heavier um, in the evening, um, after you know I've, I've done the physical part of of my day. Uh-huh. Um, if I've done something that's a little more like strength training, then I try to up the protein more that day. Um, I don't ascribe to like you know you need a gram of protein per pound of body weight or per kilogram of body weight or something like that throughout the day. I don't know. I um i know what i feel like when i ingest too much of certain things and i try to avoid feeling like that <laughs> i yeah i you know that's the biggest thing for me um mm-hmm. i ingest way too much caffeine uh, i shouldn't do that <laughs> but uh you know i think everything in moderation um yeah. is is you know that that's that's really kind of the the thing i think uh, avoiding excessive things I think that avoiding things that are like overly, obviously things that are overly processed have too many ingredients in them, you know, mm-hmm. that you don't know where the hell this stuff is coming from that they put into it. Um, the big rage right now is, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine over the weekend about this, the, the impossible burger, you know, a lot of like yeah. vegetarians and vegans love this, this impossible thing that, that, that mm-hmm. uh, you know, Burger King is putting out a, a and it's basically just a meatless, um, yeah. I don't know if it's soy based, vegetable based, there's so much stuff. That though, like, mm-hmm. just because it's it's vegan doesn't make it healthy. Just because it's vegetarian yeah. doesn't make it healthy. Just because it's gluten free doesn't make it healthy. You know, mm-hmm. removing one bad thing from something with fifty bad things in it doesn't necessarily make it healthy. So it, it's it's overwhelming though because um, especially the, as much as I travel, if I'm going to eat somewhere and everybody wants to go out to eat and I have to travel and eat stuff on the road, then it's it's difficult for me to really pay very close attention to it, but I just try to, you know, I've got a few staple things that I know are going to be pretty, pretty safe. And then, like yeah. I said, I'll watch the, the timing of what I eat and when and how much, um, mm-hmm. and then try to drink uh, a ton of water, you know, yeah. I, I think okay. it's, uh, yeah, that's the biggest, the biggest thing that people miss out on and people probably drink more water now than ever, but there's still, you know, it's, it's really hard to drink too much water. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What about, did um, we ever see you doing a yoga routine or anything? Or, like, do you, do you change up your workout to something totally different to work out on other aspects yeah, of it, your fitness?
1: It, it does. It, it depends um, what my schedule is like. Um, lately, with as much travel as I've had to do, it's been easier for me to do more kind of traditional strength training and like weightlifting. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing that a lot more lately than um, anything like, uh, like yoga. But um, you know, I, uh, I've I've been around yoga, you know, all my most all my training um, life. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. we we started back in the um, early two thousands doing ashtanga yoga, and um, we, you know, I was, I was really fascinated with that for a number of years, and I'll still you know, kind of go back and revisit that from time to time, Mm -hmm. but I don't make it as regimented of a practice as to say, I do yoga, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, I I think that it's, that's yoga, in my opinion, is one of the best uh, solo practices that you can do to benefit your jujitsu training. Um, oftentimes in jujitsu, we call jujitsu involuntary yoga. (laughs) So it's, Mm -hmm. I think that whenever you do voluntary yoga, it helps to, to impact your, your, um, jiu-jitsu training so you know there are certain things that i think that are more conducive to uh to jiu-jitsu lifestyle and and developing a a body that's more can that's more um equipped to to handle that kind of training versus Mm -hmm. if you're going to do boxing or kickboxing let's say or if you're uh you know you don't want to do something that's going to make you too bulky and tighten your muscles. You know, you want to do yeah. something that's going to kind of allow you to, to keep a malleability and a flexibility to you that that's, um, going to help you to function a little better in that environment. And I think mm-hmm. that's ultimately a healthier way to go about it. Um, yeah, a lot of times people want to, um, especially guys, we want to bulk up and we have nice mm-hmm. beach muscles, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. I think that, um, some guys take that to the extreme and, um, Especially because we're we're inside of a gym here. We're inside of, like, a mm-hmm. fitness center. And so I see, you know, a lot of the guys, like, just jacked, guys walking around downstairs. Um, I think, man, it's overweight is overweight. You know, whether you're 300 pounds of muscle or 300 pounds of fat, you're going to have health issues um, either way if you're, you know, six feet tall or less. Uh, so yeah. it's, um, yeah, that was a bit of a tangent there. But mm-hmm. As far as, um, you know, healthy dieting and, and nutrition and everything like that goes and and, mm-hmm. and uh, working out, I think that, that it should it should focus on what you're doing, you know. Again, I would have a very different workout routine if I were a marathon runner than yeah. I do as a jiu practitioner, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with us today. We're excited. Is there... Yeah. Um, anything that you'd like us to throw in the show notes or, um, link up to um, for you or how can people reach you? I, obviously we'll link up to your YouTube channel.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, basically when you type in night jujitsu like that on, um, any of the socials, I'll probably pop up. So on Facebook, on Instagram and uh, on, um, uh, YouTube, obviously my Patreon channel is, is patreon.com slash night jujitsu. So, um, all those different ways. And I put different content on different channels and different media outlets and stuff, you know? And so that, that's the way that people can typically follow me versus just going on a website somewhere because I I try to post about upcoming seminars and where I'm going to be and and what I'm going to be focused on. Um, and then if I have any projects coming out, I put those on those, those different, uh, channels like on Instagram and Patreon, especially, and then on my YouTube channel.
0: Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, we're excited to get this out and we really appreciate your time. So, you have a good. Uh, I appreciate
1: it. Yeah, you too. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: To learn more from Eli Knight, be sure to visit us at plumdragonherbs.com. We will post show notes, a transcript, and ways to connect with Eli. And if you liked what you heard today, we hope you'll send us some love back by subscribing to our show on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. And leave us a comment. We've got a lot of great shows lined up and we hope you'll stick with us. Until next time.